I'd like to first of all share with you a passage of scripture found in Matthew, the 28th verse, the 18th through the 20th verses. Jesus at this point has been resurrected from the dead. He has spent 40 days with his disciples, teaching them uh, all about uh, what the Bible, what the Old Testament said about him and giving them instructions on what they're supposed to do from this point on. And he's just getting ready to ascend into heaven. And he says this, and Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Listen to those words. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go. He's telling his disciples that he's the one who's in charge now. And they are his disciples. And from this point on, as they go to make disciples, they're going to be walking not just in their authority, but his authority as well. And this is one of the most important things that we see in Scripture. Because you see, back there in the Garden of Eden, ages and ages before this moment, the very incident that we talked about with the, the boys this morning, the story of the fall of Adam and Eve and uh, their being charged with the garden. And, and he gave them dominion over everything. He gave them authority. And, and, and let's see, it's, it's, uh, the thing is, he had given them. He'd entrusted to them. He had uh, designated them to be the ones who were in charge of every creature and of everything. It wasn't that he gave up his authority. He delegated, God delegated his authority over earth to his two people there, Adam and Eve. And they were to exercise dominion, if you were, under the reign and rule of God. Authority was theirs because he delegated it to them. Ownership and rights of everything, just as we sang this morning, this is my father's world. He retained ownership and rights to everything, but he entrusted the rule and care of all living and creeping things into their care. Very much like a power of attorney. If any of you have ever had to work with powers of attorney, you'll know that it gives you the authority to represent someone and to act on their behalf. Now, this is the thing. A power of attorney is only valid as long as both parties are alive. If one party dies, then that power of attorney is null and void. And so 
if either party dies, it's no longer valid. On the day that Adam and Eve partook of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, just as God said they would, they died. He says, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. They were separated from God. They were separated from the very source of true life. There's a great parallel that we see here with the story of the prodigal son. You know, he turned his back on his father and he went away, but then he came home. And when he came home, his father runs out and he grabs him and he hugs him and he places a robe on him, symbolizing he's a part of the family. And he puts a ring on his finger, giving him authority as a son once more. And the thing is, whenever the older brother came along and started pouting, he said, son, your brother was dead and now he's alive. We have to rejoice. Well, this is just it. Adam and Eve turned their back on their father. And in that moment, they became dead to him. And we have been spiritually dead, born into sin. And sin means living in the world instead of in God's kingdom. Let's face it, uh, living for ourselves, just like Adam and Eve wanted to instead of living under the sovereignty and acknowledging God. Our dominion was lost. And in our dead spiritual state, however, we still have that imprint of what God intended for us. He created us to reign and rule ultimately with him. He created us to have dominion over the earth. And that is why we still want to climb mountains. That's why we still want to cross oceans when we don't even know what's on the other side. That's why we want to go to the moon and to Mars. That's why people were brave enough and driven to come to this part of the wilderness a couple of hundred years ago and start life anew and afresh, pioneering in places they had never been before, subduing and taking dominion over the ground around this place where we are right now. That is implanted in us, just like we've been talking, we've been going through uh, the laws of the kingdom. God's imprint is on everything that he created. And his ultimate intention for all of us is still there. And we long, we long for those things that God created us for. But separated from him, we wind up messing things up terribly. All of the Old Testament, from that point in the garden on, is preparing us for something glorious. And that is the restoration of spiritual life to those who are spiritually dead 
and the revival of that power of attorney granted to us, giving us dominion. As he said, the thief comes but to kill and to steal and to destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. That's why Jesus came to reclaim our lost place in the kingdom of God and to make it possible for once more for us to be restored to our former position and to once more uh, be alive before God and live in the dominion that he intended for us to have. The entire point of the cross is to bring us to life spiritually, to restore us each to that relationship that Adam and Eve had before the fall. And it could only be done through Jesus, the second Adam. As it says in scripture, as one, as by one man, sin entered into the world. By one man, sin is taken out of the world. That man being Jesus. You see, it's a spiritual and scriptural principle. And so uh, the thing is, he tells several parables that help us to understand this. Parables that involve, several of them involve a master who entrusts his property to his servants. And then he leaves them to do the work that they know that he wants done. And he then returns and there is an accounting. Those who had handled what was entrusted to them according to their master's wishes were rewarded with more authority and responsibility. Those who ignored his wishes were punished and what little they had was taken from them. And on one level in these parables, Jesus is talking about the Jewish leaders and how they were handling things that had been entrusted to them by God, including him. And look what they did to him. On another plane, though, let's face it, this is everyone's story. We're living in our master's realm now, but we haven't been handling what he's entrusted to us according to his wishes. Instead, like Adam and Eve, we've gone our own way, ignoring God's will, and we, like them, have become spiritually dead, having no rights to what we want to claim and try to claim as our own. But we have no rights to it. And we had no rights to it until Jesus came. And when he came, remember what John said he came and did? He gave to those who believed in him the power to become children of God the power to be reinstated uh, in their right relationship with God. Through Jesus, you see, God himself speaks just as he spoke to the dead man Lazarus and says, come forth. He came and he offers us real life. He gives us the opportunity to be born again. Now, a part of the new birth is God's empowering us to repossess that dominion that Adam and Eve forfeited in the fall. If we just look around, we can see what a price was paid when humanity went its own way. 
When we cast aside our humility before God, we lost our ability to care for the earth as God intended for us to. We're not able to tend or care for it properly. We know deep down in our souls that we should be taking care of this planet, that we should be taking responsibility and, and be managing it properly. But you see, without God's rule in our lives, some fight and hurt one another about how it should be done while others pay no regard to the consequences of what they're doing and care not at all how what they do affects anybody else. When it comes to plants, seeds, and fruits, we see a tragic irony today because of the fall. When humanity became slaves to their own passions, turning their backs on God, and they lost dominion, the tables were turned, and we find ourselves today becoming more and more the slaves of flowers, vegetables, and fruit. And I'm not talking about diet right now, folks. Of course, some of us, that's a problem, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. But look around. Tobacco kills so many. It ruins the lives of people, gives them COPD, uh, causes them to have heart trouble, gives them cancer. Look at what tobacco does. A plant that we were supposed to rule and reign over instead winds up ruling and reigning and enslaving people. And when it does, it kills, it steals, it destroys. Whose venue, whose modus operandi is that? Satan himself. Well, corn, barley, hops, rye, grapes. These things hold 20 million United States citizens in alcoholic bondage nowadays. Cocaine and marijuana are destroying lives. And the opioid epidemic is killing, stealing, and destroying in a rampant way that gets worse every day. And the farther humankind drifts away from God, the more they're enslaved by the very things that they're supposed to and that they were given dominion over. The really sad thing well, I'll, I'll tell you this. It is no wonder that the most effective programs to deliver people from drug and alcohol addiction are Christ-centered programs. They have the highest success rate. There's a reason why. It is a spiritual problem. And until Jesus is brought into it, you can never be fully free. Well... The really sad thing is that many who name the name of Christ remain in bondage because they don't know that they have dominion over what God uh, has created and they can exercise the dominion that God wants them to have. They can rule and reign instead of being slaves, but they just haven't really heard the good news. As the prophet Hosea said hundreds of years ago, my people perish for lack of knowledge. 
and not knowing about this law of dominion is killing and stealing and destroying people. So this morning, I want to give you some knowledge. When you're born again, you're given the same dominion that Adam and Eve possessed. Creation is still fallen. You're in a fallen world, but you have been restored. You now have the master's resources and support as you go about his business, living your life as an assignment from him. Remember, I spoke at the beginning of the parables involving masters and servants. The first duty of a servant is to understand the master's wishes. The second is to carry them out. As you do so, though, you have the whole weight of the Lord behind you. So I thought about this earlier this week. It reminded me of uh, my buddy Blackie, the dog that I got when I was four years old and uh, was my buddy until I went off to college. Great dog, great pal, went with me everywhere, walked to town with me, all sorts of things. Now, the thing is, whenever uh, we came across, whenever a dog, another dog or another animal came into the yard and Blackie knew they weren't supposed to be there, he knew he was too small to handle a big dog by himself. But the moment that I stepped out and he knew that he had my presence and my power and my authority backing him up, he'd lick a great dame. I mean, he'd take on anybody because he knew he wasn't facing it alone. And that is the way that we should be facing life. As we know that he is with us, we know his power and his presence are with us. It's not just what we are about. We are operating in his authority at that point. As far as reclaiming this dominion and recognizing it, it starts by just doing what you know is right in each situation. The Lord has, we understand from the book of Romans, he has implanted his law in our hearts. Everyone knows right from wrong. And everyone is going to be accountable to God for knowing and not doing what's right. But it continues not just by following your heart, because the heart can be deceitful. It continues by reading the Bible with the desire to know God's will and to know what pleases him. Jesus said, if you abide in my word and my word abides in you, then you are truly my disciples and you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. As you even start these things, though, you're going to become an emissary of Christ in the world because you will be living in his name and his power and his presence will be with you in your home, in your work, in your relationships and any other thing that you could name. Then as you do each thing moment by moment, day by day, under his authority and in his authority, it gets amazing. And you'll experience what the disciples did in Mark 16, 20. He told them, remember to go and preach the good news. And they did. And this is what happened. They preached everywhere. Now listen to this. 
while the Lord worked with them. This applies to what you pray, and it can be very humbling to realize that if you pray according to God's will, He's going to answer your prayer. You see, in Jesus' name, isn't just a phrase that you say before you say amen. When you pray in Jesus' name, you're praying with His power and His authority behind what you pray. If we know from God's Word uh, what it is that He wants, we can pray with authority about those things, taking dominion in faith over that situation. Now, you may not feel worthy. You may not feel good enough. And Satan will probably tell you that. You can count on it. But you see, it's not about your past. It's about God's present will for you. Just like Blackie. You may not be powerful enough or big enough, but the one who stands with you gives you the authority and he's backing you up in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.